Ladies and gentlemen, welcome aboard Delta Airlines Flight 2998, bound for Atlanta, Georgia, with continued service to Dallas-Fort Worth International Airport. All carry-on items should now be stowed securely, either in an overhead bin or under the seat in front of you. All aisles, exits, and bulkhead areas should now be clear. All electronic devices should now be turned off and stowed, as they may interfere with the aircraft's navigational and communication systems. Once airborne, we'll let you know when you may use approved electronic devices, but note that some items may not be used at any time during the process. How we've all missed the beautiful sounds of the pre-flight safety check. But are you ready to hear it again? Are you ready to travel again? For most of us, travel has been completely halted since the beginning of 2020 on both a personal and business level. Given technology has alleviated our need to travel, will, post-pandemic, things ever be the same again? Welcome to The Great Indoors, a podcast where we look at the lasting technological changes brought about by the pandemic and how technology can potentially help solve the other challenges facing humanity. I'm your host, Matt Roberts, and joining me is my co-pilot and producer, Larissa Yee. So today, we will be joined by Jen Ruiz. Jen is a lawyer-turned-travel blogger and author. She's a number one Amazon bestseller and reader's favorite award winner. Jen is also a TEDx speaker and has been featured by The Washington Post, Forbes, and ABC News. Jen documents her adventures on her website, Jen on a Jet Plane, and is a key social media influencer in the world of travel. So welcome to the great indoors, Jen Ruiz. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me, Matt. I'm happy to be here. And um, where are you enjoying the great indoors from today? Or indeed, because it's summertime, the great outdoors. Where, Where are you today in the world? I am in Puerto Rico, a beautiful island off the coast of the southeast United States. Oh, wow. Nice. And there's no tropical storms right now. I saw on the NBC before there was there's some storms knocking around the Gulf of Mexico, but you're okay right now. The sun is shining. There were. There was a storm this past weekend, but right now all is good and fingers crossed it stays that way. Okay. Excellent. That's good. That's what we like to hear. Now, um, well, the one question I ask all our guests in, in, in this season is what have you done recently that reminded you of the pre-pandemic normalcy? What was it you've done that you would have done 18 months ago that made you really happy and joyful? Well, I've recently started traveling again, so that definitely has been a big return to normal for me, uh, especially because I used to do so all the time. So just going to the airport, you know, standing in the pre-check lines, actually going into the whole boarding process, hearing the familiar terms that the flight attendants use, all of that has been a return to quote unquote normalcy. Nice. And I will return to that next week, actually. And we'll talk about that as we go through this episode. But um, Jen, you're a a best-selling author. You've dedicated your career, a a lot of your career so far, to the business of travel. You're a travel expert, a travel blogger. But I think you have a a fairly fascinating story on how you got to this. So give us a listener, uh, our listeners, a, a quick rundown of of your story today and how you found yourself in this amazing field. 
Absolutely. Well, thank you for saying that. It's definitely been a whirlwind for me. Um, I was practicing law beforehand for about five years before I started, well, throughout being a young associate, I had a blog on the side that I rebranded twice before landing on Jen on a Jet Plane, my current website. And I started and landed upon travel writing just purely coincidentally. I was looking for a creative outlet and I was writing lifestyle pieces and a travel editor found me and asked me to write for their online vertical. And I started doing travel pieces that way. And I had, you know, now a magazine that wanted to pay me to write about travel. So I had much more reason and motivation to want to take trips. So I started traveling more. And then the year before my 30th birthday, I set out on a 12 trips in 12 months challenge while I was still working full-time as an attorney. Uh, At the time, remote work was not a thing that they thought attorneys could do. So it's been really funny to see that entire industry adapt uh, as people and court hearings and everything has gone online. But at the time, it was very much something where you had to be present day in and day out to meet with clients and go and make appearances. So I was able to end up taking 20 trips in that year before my 30th birthday. It became kind of an amazing race type of thing for me where I just wanted to see as many as I could and send out my 20s in style. And afterwards, I wrote a book on cheap flights because that's how I was able to afford so many trips. And I realized I could make money online. And even though at that time I hadn't begun monetizing my blog yet. I decided to transition into doing this full time. I was teaching English online as a side hustle that I was doing to help fund my trips. So I decided that I could just rely on that if need be and do that more while building up my online business. And so now I've been doing that for about three years full time. And a little bit over that. And it's since become something where I've developed multiple income streams. I've given multiple TEDx talks and it's just been um, much more rewarding and a lot more potential to actually earn and make a name for yourself than I would have imagined. So I think it's really cool. So you, you trained to be an, a lawyer, an attorney, and then you got like many people do the wanderlust, right? The bug, the travel bug. And you said, tell you what, I'm going to, park this corporate world for a little bit and I'm going to throw myself into the world of travel. I'm going to write about it and monetize it. And that's basically what you've done, right? You've had a a best-selling book and and this is, you know, this is effectively what what you've done. But how have you dealt with this during the pandemic when, I mean, what have you predominantly been doing and focusing on given the fact that we couldn't travel for pretty much the last 18 months? It was definitely a shock. So it was not something that was expected. I had a lot of speaking engagements and campaigns lined up. So a lot of those just went on the back burner. And then I focused my efforts on talking about digital entrepreneurship, which was something that people were interested in hearing more about at the time as they were transitioning to working remotely. So I published my then fourth book on uh, remote work that also became a bestseller on Amazon. Uh, It's called 25 Ways to Work from Home. And it just 
summarizes ways that myself and different colleagues make money legitimately online and that it's not something that's a scam or something where people think it's, you know, MLMs or anything crazy. It's just legitimate ways that you can monetize your expertise on the internet, which is a whole new threshold for making money. And so that book did really well. I threw myself into TikTok and grew that social media following, which led to opportunities doing social media management for different businesses that were trying to launch their TikTok accounts. So that ended up becoming a new source of income that I wasn't expecting as well. So there were a lot of different ways that I was able to take advantage, you know, since I didn't have to be there in person, I could do a lot more speaking engagements. So I was able to do different paid speaking engagements for professional organizations on ways to monetize your expertise, on ways to grow your TikTok account. So it was a new frontier, but I'm very happy that I was able to diversify and kind of get different clients and experiences because I feel comfortable now knowing that I have more diverse income streams and just my 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 well-being kind of spread out over multiple channels and not just dependent on let's say sponsorships with travel brands or or traffic to my purely travel website um so it was good to feel like i'm more you know disaster proof now it was a necessary downside to help me see where i could improve and i think i did my best to take advantage of the chances that i was given so it wasn't effectively the end of the world for you when travel stopped. Like you said, you adapted, you diversified to keep, you know, what it is you do going. But the travel industry, we, we've wanted to speak about it for a while for for a number of reasons. But that unquestionably, uh, quite unquestionably has been one of the most hardest hit industries over the last 18 months. How bad has it been? for the travel industry, for the airlines, for the hotels, for the people that you interact with um, as part of your as part of your day-to-day, Jen? How, how bad has it really been for them? I think we've definitely seen a drastic drop in bookings and travel for a long time. People weren't flying. You know, there's always new variations coming out now that are making people nervous and wanting to cancel their bookings. Um, we've seen airlines that have been struggling with just maintaining their finances and having to cancel flights now because they're short staffed. So there's no denying that the industry has been really heavily hit. That being said, I do think that the travel industry has been amongst the most creative in trying to bring travel experiences digitally, you know, right away, everybody had a digital tour and everybody had virtual experiences that they were doing. And I know a local guide here in Puerto Rico that started a subscription box where she sends out uh, coffees for, whereas previously she would do coffee farm tours of people here in person. So I do think that there's potential to monetize still. And I do think that interest in travel has now gone through the roof where people are just itching to get back out there. If they weren't thinking about traveling before, they definitely are now after being cooped up for so many months. So revenge travel has been a big theme that people are exploring. I like that to revenge travel. I like that one. Yes, because people are, they just, they want to live. And I think after being made to sit on their laurels, they're, they're really wanting to take action and go places versus just talking about it and dreaming about it. So I think we're going to see a big return to travel destinations that have been able to offer things like digital nomad incentives to invite people to stay for longer periods of time have been able to monetize off of that increased traffic to remote work and increased people that are going to be now having the flexibility to work from anywhere 
Europe. So there have been a lot of Caribbean islands that have taken advantage of that and um, different digital nomad villages that are popping up. So there's a lot of ways that travel has been adapting. And simultaneously, it's been kind of good for certain um, places to take a break, to have the ability to replenish themselves. You know, Venice now is no longer going to be allowing cruise ships. And that's been something where over-tourism has been a concern for a long time. So I think that there is good to be found, just knowing that there's nothing that's permanent and that we are doing the best we can with the situation we have and that people's desire to travel hasn't waned any. If anything, it's grown stronger. And I think, I, I think the, the, like you said, though, the travel hasn't necessarily, you don't always need to get on a plane and travel for 12 hours to travel. There's been a surge in staycations, right? People sticking in their local uh, geography and finding places and things that they'd overlooked their entire lives. And, all, and, and that's helped the sort of domestic economies as well. I think that's been, you know, that, that's been another interesting trend. But what do you think has changed forever? I think that's to be seen. I think nothing is at the forever point right now because we're still kind of figuring things out and adapting and seeing where things land. Possibly just the idea that you have to do this nine to five and that you have to live by this traditional lifestyle. I think that's one thing that we've definitely tossed aside. We've seen this huge remote work you know, exodus with people leaving their offices and refusing to go back to their corporate positions if they're being inflexible about the type of commute that they allow. Um, so I do think that that's something that's going to be hard to go back to and hard to get employees just to say, you know, you have to be this warm body in a chair when we've seen that it's not necessary, when we've seen that these different, um, that everybody has been able to adapt and do this digitally. So I think it, it is going to be hard to go back to that I think it'll also be hard to go back possibly to just the really, really cheap flights. So I think you still find them, but there there have been some budget airlines that have been affected that have cut back routes. So I'm hoping that it will not be a permanent change, but more just like a more temporary change, just like for a year or two until competition ramps back up again. Not to say they can't be found. I just saw a mistake there today that was, you know, $29 for a cross-country round-trip flight here in the U.S. with a major carrier. Um, so that's something that you can still find, but it's just not as common as when you had the days of like Wow Air and Norwegian that was doing cross-country flights from like LA to London and um, cross-Atlantic flights. So we'll, I think we will see a little bit of a decline in those, but hopefully that'll only be temporary. I tell you, I like this thought. I I, 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 I like the way you talk about it. this challenges on nine to five lifestyles. This throws that all into debate and, and, and really turns it upside down. I like the thought of, it was something I read in McKinsey, the extended vacations. So people now, rather than take a week of their annual vacation and head off somewhere for a week and then come back, you actually now take a month. You'll go somewhere for a month and you'll work during those four weeks. I love the thought of that, right? So I could go with my family, I don't know, let's say Cuba, for example, for a month, and I could work for you know three of those four weeks. And that's something, by the way, I, I have to 
put a disclaimer there. Our company hasn't agreed to this at all. <laughs> this is something hypothetical I read that could be down the line. You know, rather than these one-week hard slots, you go away for a period of time, but because people are now out of that nine-to-five office-based work mentality, you you know, you spend longer in those locations. I love the sound of that. I, I think as far as giving work part, work-life balance and equilibrium back to workers, that sounds amazing to me. Agreed. And I think it's just a good thing to have in order for people to be refreshed, to feel like they have a change of pace, to feel like they're not in a rut, to be more productive overall. It's been shown that there's a lot of benefits that come with just varying up your settings and taking a, a creative break other than what you see every single day. So there can be a lot that in ways that it can be beneficial, you know, if your family's getting an education that way as well, and your kids are seeing more of the world, it could just be a more globalized society overall. And I think it's something that has previously seen out of reach and ideal and maybe limited to a select few exclusive people. But now we're seeing more and more that it's become common. And I do think that that is a change for the better. It also is good for sustainability purposes because people are taking less flights, because they're being more local, because they're contributing to the economy more in the time that they're there. Uh, so there's a lot of pros that come from that. And we'll, we'll examine that more in, in, in a little while. But I think this is a nice link into business travel. So that's kind of like a hybrid business vacation kind of dream scenario. And, and we were talking about this yesterday, Jen. I, I used to travel all the time all over the place and that's kind of halted for the last 18 months and as of next week i will be at this moment in time getting on a plane not traveling too far to denver and you know even just like booking my travel thinking about going away on business seems really alien to me which is really weird given the amount of traveling i was doing before but what trends have you seen on the business travel front because obviously that's been completely halted for the last 18 months. Will that ever be the same again? What what are you thinking could happen to the whole business travel world other than the nice extended vacations scenario that we talked about just a moment ago? I suspect that it'll find the equilibrium. You know, I think there's going to be a lot of incentive to not spend the extra money to send people to try to do things that can be done virtually while at the same time, people who do go that extra mile will have that advantage, you know, to the customer, to the competitor, whoever it is that's going to be paying for that. So it could be possible that the human touch becomes more in demand, um, depending on how things even out and, and who's going to be offering what services and what's going to become industry standard. So it remains to be seen, but I don't believe business travel is completely out of the works yet. Um, I do think that there is something to be said for meeting face-to-face and having face-to-face connections. I do think people are craving it. I know that myself and a lot of uh, fellow travel bloggers were at the point where we were like, if we have to attend one more virtual conference, one more virtual tour, like, whoo, we're going to go insane. So we were just at the point where we're ready for the ones in person um, and we're really programmed out digitally. So we're actually excited to get back to the in-person networking. And I think that that's something that is still going to have value moving forward. Yeah. I think my personal view on this is whilst a lot of companies initially were like, hey, nobody ever needs to travel again. Our businesses are doing fine. No one's got on a plane. Zoom is awesome. Let's just forget the travel thing. It's great. We're saving lots of money. But I think in a competitive business world, 
you know, it, that may be the starting position for all the, you know, businesses in a particular industry. But as soon as one of them says, hey, I need to get up on a plane and I need to see that customer and I need to look him in the eye and shake their hands and take them out for dinner, then that's like a domino effect because they automatically have an, a competitive advantage on all those other businesses that are trying to manage over video conferencing. And I think then you'll see um, everything return to, you know, to some sort of, pre-pandemic normal or maybe not as uh, maybe it'll be under more scrutiny but i think it'll certainly return and of course i'd love to get your thoughts on this when we talk about the face-to-face and the human touch it was a a couple of episodes ago we spoke with daniel hernandez at telefonica and we were talking about video conferencing and he'd been exposed to the whole you know video conferencing was getting even more like uh, advanced so virtual reality headsets where you could see the person's body language it was like you were sat next to them and whilst that sounds good from a technical perspective i still don't think that replaces the face-to-face you know being with your customers or clients but i i just can't envisage a world where you put on a virtual headset and say okay i'm going to ibiza i just don't think it can make up for everything, but what do you what do you think, Jen? I think that's way off, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, there's two different things there. You could be doing virtual networking and connections, and maybe there's something to be said for that. Although I've attended a lot of conferences and met with many people, and it seems like there's an element missing. Even if we go through the motions of doing the small talk and having you know the speed networking through the different platforms that enable those different features, it still doesn't feel the same as actually being at a conference. Uh, and similarly, I don't think that it'll ever really replace the sensation of being there live to see something that you've been wanting to see, right? So no amount of virtual reality is going to replace what it feels like to feel the splash of a waterfall or anything of the sort, even if they have, you know, actual water spraying. Um, It's just not the same as actually being there in person. So I do think there's an element of that that we will still treasure. And I think that we're just going to have to find ways to embrace that moving forward in a way that's safe and that is it's within people's comfort zones. So let's switch gears a second uh, or a minute and talk about something else that we always talk about on this podcast. And that's how there's been a separate pandemic over the last 18 months, and that's one of mental health. And we talked right at the beginning, Jen, that, you know, for you, travel is therapeutic, it's cathartic, it's mind, you know, it's mind broadening or travel broadens the mind is the old cliche. And so now you've started traveling again. How have you found that from a a family perspective and a friend's perspective and just an all over sort of mental health conditioning perspective? How, how, How has it been? It has been great to return to travel. There has been some nerves and anxiety associated with it. Um, traveling with the mask on, making sure it doesn't slip at any point on the airplane because you're afraid somebody's going to catch you and like call you away to airplane jail. Um, and so a lot of different things that you're worrying about that you wouldn't have worried about before. So I do think that there's a level of nerves associated with going back to it, but it does feel good to get back to it. And it always feels good for me to know that I have 
the world open to me. So that's never something I take for granted. Um, in particular, because I have so many friends that are in countries where it's more difficult for them to get around. They have to get sponsors and they have to get different visas and everything that's uh, much more of a hurdle for them to travel. So I never take for granted both that I can travel very freely, that I have literally the world is open to me, um, or that I can learn anything, right? That at any point in time, if I want to know about something, I can go online, I can research that, I can go and visit that place, I can take a tour, I can learn more about it. I think there's so many people that want access to that level of knowledge and don't have it. So those are two things that ability to learn as much as I can and ability to travel almost anywhere unrestricted that really makes make me feel free and that make me feel blessed as a human. So that's something that I never take mm. for granted. And, and, you know, we talked about it before that just we live in a globalized world, right? And, and what that means is, I mean, compared to the last, obviously the last 50 or 60 years, you know, someone like me, I'm originally from the United Kingdom, but obviously I live in, in North America. And for the last 18 months, what, what that has meant for me is, I haven't been able to physically reach my family or even go back to the UK or Europe. And that feels like a huge hole in my life. And as I said to you yesterday, it was my mother's birthday yesterday. And it it felt awful having to just do the obligatory WhatsApp video call to wish happy birthday after so much time. It really it put me on a real downer. I felt really bad about it. And and I think that that lack of ability to travel has definitely contributed to people's mental well-being um, over the last eighteen months. So I, you know, I I can't wait to get on a plane again to see people I haven't seen in so long, and I think the uptick of that for society is going to be incredible. Right? I mean, have you had any reunions that have really uplifted you? Um, where you've thought, oh my gosh, I've missed you. I'm so glad that we could get back together or I'm so glad to see you. Yes, I made my mom take a girl's trip with me. It was practically the first thing I did. Um, I talk to my mom every day and I'm not, I'm used to us being distant, but at least having a couple times a year for holidays and things like that where we connect. And it had been almost two years since I'd seen her. So I asked her to meet me in St. Augustine and we did a girl's trip there. We did a girl's photo shoot. We rented a BMB with adjoining rooms. Um, it was just really wonderful to have that time with her again in person. You know, her hair has completely changed colors since I last saw her. She decided <laughs> the uh, hair treatment was too much to keep up with because the salon's all closed. So now she's all gray and rocking it. Um, we're going to call it platinum instead. I think it's a sexier, sexier way of phrasing it. Um, <laughs> and so it was just really great to have that time with her and to be out and about and just doing, you know, random mother daughter things, nothing special, going to get ice cream, strolling the stores, but really, you know, the, the most special things of all, like the things that you actually really remember. So, um, that was really mm -hmm. wonderful for me. And, it's something that I was looking forward to because I've been on an island. So I have felt especially trapped in a way. Um, I'm very grateful to have been here in Puerto Rico, but I felt like I didn't have the ability to just get in a car and drive somewhere like so many people did. Um, so that was something that was difficult for me to cope with. And now that, you know, things are a little bit more open and even if it's just getting tests, you know, with the vaccinations and things of the sort, um, it's much, it's a, 
hoop that I'm happy to jump over if it means I get to travel. I really don't care what I have to do yeah. as long as I'm able to travel again. I'll do whatever, you know, check-ins. I'll do out the tests. I'll do whatever I need to do so that I can have that ability. Yeah. But I think and it's travel does give you a boost. It is something that is... Well, it's fantastic, and we live in a, a we did live in a world where we could pretty much travel um, anywhere. And, and your book is about being able to do that, um, you know, on on a budget and and not be constrained um, by anything to allowing you know to allow you to do that. And you talked about it before, revenge travel. So you know that, that once conditions are you know loosen up even further, there will be an you know a lot of people getting out there, traveling, feeling great about things. And and the one thing I thought that was was, was interesting, I, I don't know if there's a term for it, it's like dream, it's not only just revenge travel, but it's dream trip planning. Mm-hmm. People will go to places, this is what I think, I mean, this is what I read, that they may have been putting off for years and years, maybe when they retire. I'm going to go to, for example, uh, the Antarctic, or I'm going to go to the jungles of, uh, South America, or I'm going to do something really off the scale because I love the term revenge travel, but because I really need to do that. Are you seeing any interesting examples of of tour operators or people planning some really, uh, I, I don't know whether exotic is, is the word, but just off the beaten track kind of uh, adventures? Yes. So I think now more than ever is the time to go to those off the beaten track places, places that are big bucket list. You know, everybody wants to see the Taj Mahal and the Great Wall and all these other places anywhere that's open, obviously, to you and the countries allow you to travel. But if there's a big world wonder that you want to see, the traffic at these places is going to be at an all time low right now. So like foot traffic in Machu Picchu versus having to battle hundreds of people to see that view, you know, it's just you and the mountain. So there's now more than ever is the time to go to these previously crowded locations. It's also a time sensitive thing in terms of, you know, what locations are changing. I personally am going to be going to Jordan soon because the Dead Sea is um, evaporating at a rate of like three feet a year. And so I really want to be able to say that I swam in the Dead Sea and um, just a lot of different things where if you want to see something and it's best, maybe sooner rather than later, don't always assume that all these natural wonders are going to be around constantly Um, because things happen, storms happen, natural bridges collapse, you know, um, foot traffic makes things sink before you used to be able to walk around the ruins of Machu Picchu. And now you're limited to the perimeter because all of the people walking on it, it was making it sink. So there's a lot of things where if you're counting on something to just be around forever until you're ready to go 20 years from now, that may just not be the case. So both that kind of, you never know what's going to happen. And also the idea that, you know, sooner rather than later in terms of getting out there and seeing what you want to see, because you don't know when your privilege to travel will be revoked, when um, something might happen, when you may not even have the physical ability to do the same kind of trips that you wanted to before. If you want to scuba dive somewhere or climb some mountain, um, you're going to be, it's going to be harder as time goes on. So I definitely recommend getting all of that out of your system sooner rather than later, rather than working your whole life thinking that one day that will be the end result that you're working your way towards.
And this is a perfect link in, in, into an, another topic I wanted to address. And that is the world is changing in front of our very eyes right now. I think the climate change isn't something that's 20, 30, 50 years away. It's happening right now at an incredible pace. We've, we've covered it on this podcast. You know, the, the, the polar ice caps are melting. We talked about going to the Antarctic before or even the, the, the glaciers of, of Greenland are, uh, are melting. You, know, you talked about some of the other, uh, the Dead Sea, you know, literally evaporating. Uh, there's Lake Mead. I, I saw yesterday on the news in, in Colorado. It's a, a low that's just incredible. So w- the world is going through this huge catastrophe right now of climate change. And, and we talked about really don't put anything off because you have to see it now while it's still here. But then we get to this sustainability paradox because – you know, we the one silver lining at the outset of the pandemic was that the the reduction in carbon dioxide and nitrates into the atmosphere, and we saw animals returning to places they hadn't been for years. People had smog that had been around them forever, all of a sudden lifted. So, what does this mean? How do we deal with? I mean, how does we talked about travel coming back? We talked about, you know, uh, of course it will come back, but how, how do we offset this against the existential crisis of climate change? And that's a really complicated question that would take a lot more time to answer. <laughs> um, but I do believe that people will be more cognizant of it moving forward, that now more than ever, we have the means to do better, right? We have the ability to travel longer and work remotely um, and things that could positively impact us. We have people that are championing uh, building of rail systems and wanting to travel more um, soundly without fossil fuels and things of the sort. So I really think that there is that progression that we're making naturally. And there's a million ways to approach that project from all different angles, whether it's, you know, on a personal consumption basis, where you're traveling with a solar charger, or you're renting a van and wanting to take that as your main means of transportation, which has become very popular over the past year. Um, So there's lots of different ways that people can contribute to traveling sustainably and responsibly. And I think it depends on the person, their circumstances, their financial situation, you know, their situation with their jobs. But I do think that now more than ever, we're better equipped, we're better informed, and we've taken this pause where we can move forward more conscientiously. So I'm optimistic that we'll see changes and that we have people with a higher sense of personal responsibility as well when it comes to travel. Because, yeah, I saw on Twitter, there was like a big debate going on on, on Twitter the other day, and I, I tried to stop myself getting involved in Twitter debates because they tend to be an awful like high school echo chamber. But they were trying to make people feel guilty for planning travel, and I, I don't think that's – you shouldn't feel guilty for traveling, right, you know, for all the positives we talked about before. But do you think there can ever be a solution where we can make travel carbon neutral? And I know you talked about solar panels there. There's other ways to travel. Do you think that is that something that's A, possible, or B, the travel companies should even be looking at seriously? Maybe they are. I don't know. 
I do think there are a lot of changes that can be made in terms of how people fly, um, how often they fly, how long their trips are, what kind of alternative, um, more communal transportation methods that we invest in. So there are changes that can be made. I don't necessarily think that consumer transportation is the biggest cause of our current climate crisis. Um, there's a lot of evidence that points to corporations doing much more damage than consumers themselves. Um, but things like, you know, like necessarily having a metal straw may not make as much of a difference as you'd like for it to make. Um, so I think that there's bigger whales sometimes that need to be knocked out. But I do think that with people acting more conscientiously with something as small as taking a refillable water bottle to something more significant, like deciding that you want to be based out of a camper van or that you want to travel by rail throughout Europe versus by budget airlines. So there's lots of different ways that people can make smarter choices. Um, I think it depends on the individuals again. Um, yeah. But I do think that there is, there is, I'm optimistic about it moving forward um, and hoping that more corporations too are realizing that they want to do that in order to appeal to clients. Because I think more and more people are finding that sustainability is a big topic for them and a big touch point and something that they like to see brands embracing. So I have to ask you this question, Jen, because you're a travel expert, you've traveled the world. You're a travel blogger. It's something we've been asking a lot of our guests over the last three seasons of this podcast. I'm going to break this question into two because I'm getting excited now about the thought of traveling, right? So the first question I'm going to ask today with all your traveling and writing, what's been, I wouldn't say the best because that's not right, but the most memorable excursion or the memorable, most memorable place you've visited? I get asked this question a lot and it's tough to pick just one because each place has had different alert. Like um, the South of France was the most relaxing place I visited with the lavender in full bloom and the sunflower farms and uh, Angkor Wat in Cambodia was one of the most um, kind of religiously impactful places that I visited because it was really meaningful to be amongst the largest religious complex, you know, in the world. And so there were a lot of different experiences. The swing off the edge of the world in Ecuador was one of my biggest adventures because I ended up swinging wildly over a forest, you know, um, on top of a mountain. So that was definitely, I've had different adventures depending on what would be the most memorable. Um, but I'm just grateful for them all. And it's hard to pick a favorite. Um, it's possible that I haven't even been to my favorite place yet, right? That I haven't found the one place where I'm just like, hands down, bury me here. Um, so that could still be in the future for me. I like to I like to think some of my best days and trips are still ahead of me. So um, I think there's some amazing places and I'm hopeful that the places I see will continue to amaze me. So what's top of the list now that you want to go next? And we, we asked this question just to so many people. I remember Rain Wilson said he wanted to go. Well, he had a trip booked to the Galapagos Island right before the pandemic hit, and he had to, to cancel it all. And he was, But where would you, or maybe you've got it booked already, where would you, what's at the top of your dream travel list right now, your dream trip planning, as it were? Where would it be? 
I'm heading to Jordan next. So I'm in a very fortunate position in that I am part of a travel advisory panel for a website called The Point Sky. Um, and so as part of that, I get a travel stipend that involves me taking flights. So I kind of do have the ability to pick where in the world I want to go with the stipend. Um, and the first place that I chose to go was Jordan uh, because I want to see Petra and float in the Dead Sea and go stay in a luxury tent out in the desert. So I think it's going to be really memorable. Um, some other places that I've had on my list where I'm really sitting there thinking, you know, what do I want to do? I'd love to go to Vietnam. I'd love to get custom clothes made there. And I, I want to just um, go and tour, take a cruise there of the Bay. Um, I'd love to go to Japan to see cherry blossoms. I'd love to go to Ireland just to go and get lost in the library with a pint of beer. Um, and so I have some places on my list, uh, Bolivia for the salt flats that I just want to take really unique pictures and mess with that depth perception. Um, so I have places that I are top of my list, uh, South Africa or an African safari. Um, so let's see. I still have, I expect to do about two or three more with the travel stipend. And I've been getting really crazy with the travel credit cards because I've been doing a lot of online shopping. So I've just been racking up points left and right. So I have about two or three dream trip point value things ready to re redeem for anywhere. And I, I just want to use it all wisely. So I have all of these opportunities and I'm trying to make the most out of everything, make sure everything lands well. And then I have some good trips. Yeah. Can I offer a recommendation? Yes, please do. Okay, here we go. So I talked before about, I'm from a place called North Wales. Mm -hmm. Have you ever been there? I have not. I've been to okay. London. So, okay. It's about, five hours northwest of London, okay. not too far from Liverpool and Manchester. Um, but that has that has been a big stake. That's where I'm from originally. And I actually grew up by the seaside in the mountains. Um, and like I said before, I miss that place terribly, but it's had a huge influx of tourism, um, staycation tourism, like I mentioned before. And it was even named uh, as one of the top 10 world destinations to visit um and so i recommend north wales for you jen if you know you should check it out um, mountains sea countryside lots of sheep that i think um you know i if, if you like sheep and um you can always drop in on my mother and and she would uh, make you a nice cup of tea well that sounds lovely I have a travel blogger friend, Pip, who writes exclusively about whales or has been writing about them exclusively for the last year or so ah. with travel restrictions. And she makes it look great. Yeah. So I would love to visit and, and see more. I'm definitely adding that to my list. Add, add that to your list. And then, um, you know, I'm just giving a plug here for the Welsh Travel Tourism Board. Um, so I'll expect my free gifts from them, you know, some some stuff in return for that little plug. No, it is great. It's a beautiful <laughs> place. And uh, I, I recommend that uh, if, if you've never been there. And, of course, it's, they, it's a different language there. It's Welsh. It's very Lord of the Rings. There's dragons walking around, all these kind of things. Wow. So, so check that out. When you get, yeah, that's what they sell it on. Um, so great. Look, that's been, that, that's been excellent. And what are you doing next then? What, what are your plans from a writing perspective? From a, what, What's next on the list for Jen Ruiz now as far as is there any plans for a follow-up book or um, what is it you've got lined up? 
Yes. So I actually have an agent that I've recently um, collaborated with and, and signed on with to help her market and sell my memoir on 12 trips in 12 months, but my year before my 30th birthday challenge that I'm taking. So hopefully that gets picked up by a publishing house and I can move forward um, with that, hopefully to inspire women that want to do a similar challenge themselves, that feel like they're not necessarily um, where they're supposed to be by 30, which is a big milestone birthday for so many people. Um, And so that's one thing that I'm working on. I'm also very active on TikTok, which has just been a great place for me to take to, to explore different video content. I've always wanted to do more video, but YouTube, it has been difficult because you have to make like 20, 20 minute videos. And I mean, it's a whole production thing. So with these short form videos on TikTok, I've had a really good time getting on there and sharing my knowledge in quick bursts. So that's something that I've been focusing my effort on because it's been a great way to find brand collaborations and to have different social media management opportunities. So that's been a really great place for me to grow and thrive as a creator. Um, And I'm getting back to press trips. So I'm very excited. I have some brands that I'm already working with, um, some trips coming up now in the fall. Um, So I'm very much looking forward to writing again, telling stories again, and having the privilege of being able to be brought out by these tourism boards with the hopes of sharing what they have to offer to the world. Wonderful. And what's your TikTok handle, Jan? So we can get our listeners to pick up on that. I appreciate that. It's uh, the same handle across all my social media platforms. Jen on a jet plane. Jen has one N. It's like leaving on a jet plane. The song leaving. Yeah, I like it. <laughs> I like it. Well, listen, I want to thank you for joining the great indoors today. I just want to thank you for having me, Matt. It's been great talking with you. And I hope that I have encouraged people to get back to travel, even if it's just slowly. Um, I think that there's a lot of room to explore and that just because it's been dormant for the last couple of months 18 months or so does not mean that it is over and does not mean that you do not still have a lot of adventures ahead of you in life um so i just hope that you pursue that and thank you for giving me the chance to share that today So it was great to speak to Jen today. Great to talk about traveling to interesting locations. It's something we've all missed. Now, maybe we'll have a greater appreciation of this when this pandemic finally ends. Who knows? And maybe that 4 a.m. wake up call for a business trip to San Francisco won't feel so bad in the future. I don't know. Now, check out Jen's webpage, jenonajetplane.com, and that is her handle across all other social media channels including tiktok please subscribe to our podcast and all the usual podcast channels leave a review or rating if you feel so inclined it certainly helps us and check out two other amdocs podcasts that are brilliant and available now future of tech with abishai charlin and points of view with our cmo gil rosen also visit our new and improved website amdocs.com forward slash the great indoors where we have a cornucopia of assets related to the series We'll be back in two weeks for a very special edition with a very special guest of The Great Indoors. And I'm Matt Roberts for Amdocs in Toronto. Have a great day wherever you are.